Good morning, good evening or good afternoon to all of our listeners. I welcome you to the most searched podcast on HR topics, HR Success Talk Academy. In the series of this podcast, we teach our audience different topics in talent management or HR. Whether you are a beginner, intermediate or expert, HR Success Talk Academy is the place to upskill your HR knowledge. Let's begin. You are very right. Um, every person has potential. People might have different skills and capabilities, but everyone is is different. Actually, the right uh, way to to work on it is to identify those skills and capability people have. Some of us are very good in operational. Some of us are very good in strategic planning. Few of us are very good in creativity, thinking out of the box. When building this team, uh, I always made sure that we are putting people on the right place, and that is why there are a lot many people who actually move from one vertical to another vertical to make sure that they are feeling passionate about what they are doing, and at the same time they are learning new things. It is very important to engage our volunteers, and that is why we have built a complete talent organization in our community as well. Uh, we have um, volunteers looking after the learning and development of our volunteers. We have people to look after whether our volunteers are engaged or not. And how do we make sure that they are also developing with us? Uh, we have volunteers to look after the hiring and onboarding piece of it. So we have a we have a small HR team of very talented volunteers to take care of our people. And when you when you know that your people are taken care of from uh the hiring onboarding engagement and development perspective what you need to do is to make sure that you are leveraging and uh, giving them opportunity to do the best with the skills uh, and capability they have uh in our in our community uh we don't have any limitation of a younger person not being our president a younger person can be a president if that person has a good people management and strategic mindset so i think that's the key um, to uh, to make sure people are engaged at the same time i always insist that our leaders uh, in our community uh, should keep talking to volunteers trying to understand that what is the, what are the things they are doing how what excites them and how they want to um, you know exercise their capabilities in the area and try to leverage that more so i think that's the way i we are able to motivate uh, our team members and make sure that they stay with us for longer uh, to support us in, in this vision summing up what you just said it's it's nice to hear that it's take, talking about 
how to take care of people in hiring, onboarding, engagement, and development. So I like the fact that you have identified all those four areas where it is critical for us to take care of people because from the moment that you are hired, in, whether in a nonprofit or profit organization, the moment that you join in and you are recruited, it is important that you feel that you are welcomed. And I've, I've felt that when I joined the HRST. And then onboarding, it's, it's good that people will be able to fit into the culture immediately. So as a leader, we have to look into this, like during the onboarding phase of a person, whether it's a, a small organization or a bigger organization of a business or a nonprofit, it's important that we, we give importance for them to be there's an onboarding process and they feel that they are culturally fit into the organization so you do that during those phases and I love the fact that you mentioned about engagement because it's important that you keep the people engaged and you try to understand because you you know that people are diverse. As a leader, it's important that we know that, that the people that we are working with came from different backgrounds, came from different culture, came from different um, experiences, different possessing different personality or traits. So having that kind of diversity and trying to unify that diversity into one organization is quite a challenge for a leader. But if we understand that if we engage them that you understand each person's uniqueness and that is the key um, there are people that there are leaders over the years I've I've seen leaders in organizations that I've worked with or organizations that I've been part of that will try to fit you into their mold yes of course uh, guidance should be there direction should be there but we have to invest time to know our people and if we know how to invest time with our people and we understand them we know them we know their abilities their skill sets we understand their traits their persona then you we will understand their uniqueness and we leverage on their uniqueness so that they can fulfill that role and i love the fact that you said going about utilizing their abilities what they are passionate about and that is true because if people doesn't feel that that they should be part of their organization they if they are not passionate in what they do then of course what kind of uh, result we will expect uh, after that if if they are just doing it you know just for the sake of doing it so it's important to keep them engaged and lastly you mentioned about development again um, hammering on further development or growth of the people uh, I love that I love that which brings me to the next question which is actually related to development so what do you think is the relevance of learning and development in raising up leaders well, uh, learning and development and leader has a very close connection. Uh, every leader should always focus on continuous improvement and work on their self-development. And the way they can achieve it is by uh, reading books, uh, interacting with people, um, and watching a lot of stuff online, uh, which are available nowadays, 
but that's the whole point of HR Success Talk as a community, right? Uh, we focus on um, people interacting with each other and learning from each other. Um, as a leader, you can find mentors, you can, uh, you can find coaches. You can be a mentor for somebody yourself. Uh, so I think there's a close connection of L&D with, uh, with the leadership. And a leader should never, never stop learning, right? They keep learning uh, wherever they reach in their career. Um, it, it's never enough for them. Uh, and they learn from every interaction they have with people as well. So I think, yeah, there's a close connection between uh, learning and development and leaders. There is really that close connection between learning and development and you or us growing as a leader. And it's, it's nice that you've mentioned about uh, spending time in reading books. Because uh, there was a survey I recall, from, uh, I think that was undertaken by Fast Company. And they did this survey of how many books we should read in a year. And so the, the benchmark was done for CEOs. And they said that the average books that we should read per year is 60. And that, which means that we should average five books per month. So that's the goal. Okay, so it's important for us to invest uh, on ourselves as a leader. Uh, I, I totally agree with you that we should not only be limited in like pursuing postgraduate degrees or so we could probably rely on books. We can read books, so five books per month is the target of CEOs and if we want to be as successful as they are, we have to be using that as a benchmark as well because the more that we know, the more that we can advise, the more that we can offer solution, the more that we can guide people or inspire people because if we don't know, then it's difficult. And when people come to us or a team members comes to us for direction or guidance, then what is there to say if we can't say anything because our, our minds are blank. So it, that is important. And I love the fact that you mentioned about coaching because coaching and mentoring is actually a good thing for a leader to do. It, you invest time to people. You spend quality time with them. And in due course, you are developing a relationship, a personal relationship with them because you'll be asking them, so how are you progressing in this area? Have you developed your skill in this area? So as you're coaching, as you're mentoring, you are also developing or nurturing that relationship you have with them. And the more that you get closer to the people, the more that you'll be able to see the, their, their wisdom, their capabilities and then you will be able to tap into that resource when you need it in the future and not only that it's vice versa you can learn a lot from them as well not 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 only because we need them uh, for, to do a certain task but because we can learn personally from them as well you know, sometimes there are occasions where you learn from the people that you mentored or people that you you coach because they have a different perspective or sometimes they are really very good. I've, I've encountered a lot of young people, a lot of not only young people, but people that I've worked with that are really smart, really sharp. And sometimes you will be surprised that, oh, they are thinking that way. And it's a good thing, especially when you are doing some brainstorming 
all of those creative juices are coming out from, from them. So you learn a lot from people. My next question is, I know that you are running a business, so you're part of the Treat Wheeler Global. And then at the same time, you have this platform, Nature Success Talk. And of course, you have a family as well. So how do you keep, keep the balance uh, as a leader? Well, um, it was not easy for me to manage uh, my professional life and also at the same time uh, family and uh, this initiative um, which is such a big one um, uh, across the world. Um, I think the way I was able to manage, I always invested heavily in building the team and I thought that if we have a team which can work and take load on themselves and try to manage different blocks of this community, um, I think it will be uh, easy for me to build such a huge community. Uh, one like 25,000 members, um, around 100 volunteers, is not less than a small organization, isn't it? But it is happening because we have a structure in place. Uh, we have volunteers, over them we have managers, over them we have presidents and then after that I also have a pool of advisors to guide me how can we take uh, this, uh, this vision to the next level. So it is all about the team which has given me that uh, freedom and time so that I can focus on more strategic aspects of it and think of building uh, and taking this community to the next level. So I would say uh, the right people at the right places has given me this uh, opportunity that I'm able to take this organization here in last nine years and still thinking of how to take it uh, uh, take it more uh, and uh, and elevate it the takeaway in what you have said uh, Govin is that we have to invest on structure and in people it's true in leadership that we have to invest in people I've seen different verticals are in place and that is the structure but if we don't have the right people handling all those verticals or handling every block, then it's difficult to carry out the bigger plan. And this is true in any type of leadership, whether we are leading an organization like a business or an organization like what we have, which is a nonprofit organization. If we understand that people are important because they are the ones who are the drivers of what we plan to do as a leader. Leader cannot just do it alone. For the past nine years that HRSD has been there, it's it's all about the people that are involved within. I like the idea of what you, you said that you also have consultants, you also have advisors. As a leader, we should not be afraid to ask as well for advice. Because there are people that think that since I'm a leader, well, I know it. I know what to do. I know it all. Which is not true. Sometimes we're just playing a smart aleck so that people think that we are, we know everything in whatever we do, which is not true. Uh, we cannot know everything, and that's a fact. So we have to consult as well, and that is also.
relying on people. So it, it, do not be afraid to rely on others for help, for a solution. So there are things that we cannot handle only by ourselves. And it's, it's better to implement something where a lot of people have contributed also their ideas, their talents, their abilities. Because as a leader, you might have one strength and you may be weak in another, which other people may be good at and they can compliment you. And that's how it is in our organization. We were able to compliment with each other. Another question that I have, which is quite interesting, who is or who are the leaders that you admire most and try to emulate? Well, honestly, it's an interesting one because I don't have a particular person I admire to and follow. Uh, I believe uh, that any, any individual uh, can inspire you. And when I interact with people, I learn something new from them. Uh, I don't have specific people. Uh, I go for mentoring and coaching. It is just a general conversation which I have with people and try to figure out what, how they are solving their problem um, and the challenges. Uh, um, so yeah, I don't have any specific uh, person as a leader, but I find opportunity uh, to get motivated and take inspiration from my conversations with, uh, with people. That is so true. I mean, our normal conversation on a daily basis would provide us an opportunity to meet people or encounter people that would suddenly inspire us. It doesn't necessarily follow that we, we have to have someone popular. But there are people who does that, like they are very moved by the way, like for example, they take inspiration from the, the people that we know, Steve Jobs or um, like say Nelson Mandela, universally known as a good leader. So I like the fact that you mentioned that on your daily encounter with ordinary people, you take inspiration from them and you learn from them. And it's true. And we, we gain knowledge from them as well. So that's, that's a good thing. So my next question is, what has been the biggest challenge you faced as a leader and how did you tackle it? Well, um... A tough one. The biggest challenge I have faced as a leader is to uh, align people work in a team. Uh, that's, the, that's the hard part of it. Uh, people are, are very good individually, but when it comes to uh, work in a team, keeping the team objective uh, at supreme, sometimes difficult and challenging. And I'm not talking about uh, only HR success talk community, but at the same time, in general, I think it's, it's tough for leaders to, to achieve this. Uh, and when a leader is able to achieve and, and able to build a high-performing team, that's where the miracle happens, right? Teams start giving their best foot forward to make sure that they are achieving the, the ultimate goal. How do I achieve it? Um, and I have built very strong teams whether it is HR Success Talk, and I think HR Success Talk is, a, is an awesome example of that, where people are voluntarily coming up and, and contributing and still delivering a high uh, quality uh, work for our community members. But, uh, but in other organizations as well. 
And I think the key in this is to making sure that you build trust among themselves. So that's the key. That's the first building block of building a high performing team that you have to build trust uh, in the team. And once you are able to build that trust, uh, we have to make sure that all of them are aligning uh, themselves to the to the higher purpose. Um, I think that's the way you can you can start building a high performing team. I can relate to that because of my past experiences, and we see that over the years our leadership capacity or ability has been challenged. If we can really try to complement the skills sets of each individual members of the team because we have to admit the fact that they came from different backgrounds and experiences and another three thing is that we have different approach to a specific task so when we we try to complete a, a plan or a project different people have varying approach they have different ways of uh, solving a problem they have different mindset they have different perspective and so if we want to unify that it will really take us a lot of effort so first off we have to uh, to know the team and it's true yeah you said about trust we must be able to trust our people that they can do the work and then because sometimes the the problem with leaders is that we give them a project, but then we micromanage. And based on experience as well, I've seen how micromanagement can demotivate people. And it's it's a learning experience as well. For me, you don't need to micromanage. You have to, there, there is a time that you need to step back as a leader and allow the people to do their job well, because they have the abilities, they have the skills that all you need to do is trust trust them that they can carry out their work and also to provide that kind of environment uh, a conducive environment where positivity flourish if people that are working in teams are in a negative environment and there's always a criticism there's always the blame game then it will not be successful and any engagement that we will have will really fail because of the environment or the culture that we are developing. The environment is toxic and so people tend to leave because of that. Another aspect is the, the leader must provide clarity as to the goal. And so I, I think when we are putting high performance teams together. That is the challenge for us leaders to provide that kind of clarity on the vision, clarity on the objective, what each members need to do. And, and so communication is another element that we need to consider. We have to put a communication structure in place that we always communicate that. There are occasions where the task is very simple, but we weren't able to fulfill it because of lack of communication. Then it leads to misunderstanding, conflict, etc. that the project failed. Well, if I were to define my leadership style in one word, I would say it is more collaborative. I believe in um, taking people together and, um, and moving along with them. Um, I always give directions to uh, our team members and after that I leave up to them and trust them that they will be able to execute it on the ground. Uh, so that's the way uh, I function 
uh, and that's my leadership style. But some other element of that which is connected with collaboration is that I also bring compassion on the table. Um, I always make sure that I understand what our people need and what I can do about it. As I also mentioned uh, that we, we strongly uh, and heavily invest in the development of people is a part of this compassion so that we can work on the things they need to get worked on. Um, and also give uh, you know, some uh, high level targets to my team every year. If you have achieved something uh, today, we have to aim for higher. So courageous is another element of uh, my leadership team here. So yeah, that's, these are the three things I would say, but uh, mainly um, the primary one is to be collaborative. I love the way how you summarized your leadership style into three C's, collaboration, compassion, and courageous. It's true that it's nice to use that word collaboration, that you collaborate, rather than the kind of leadership that dictates. Because there are people that are that will try to fit you into the mold. Do this, do that, or else this is the consequence. You know, that kind of forceful way of leadership, which is not effective, is not an ideal leadership style. So it's nice that you, you collaborate with people. It's like joining hands with them. And you try to be empathetic with them that you are really part, you are not uh, putting yourself high and above the others. So, and another thing about you mentioned, compassion. Yes, I think that as a leader, we have to be compassionate. Otherwise, everything that we do is useless, right? I have this principle that, you know, that I've learned even when I was young, that even if you have done all things and you don't do it with love, then it's nothing compassion if I may say love compassion if you don't have that then it's useless because that's where you you understand the human aspect of people that we know this in HR that the workforce or the team members are not machines because there are occasions where especially those leaders in organizations where they are so driven so driven to, to achieve the business goals or the business targets that they forget about compassion. They forget about the human side of the workforce. And so because of that, even though their goal is actually good, that they want to achieve the goal, they want to achieve the target, they want to meet that uh, deadline because it's, it's gonna bring the, the company to its higher glory. It's good for the company to be successful, but if we forget to exercise compassion or love to people, then the problem is we will forget that they are humans. We will view them as, as machines. That, okay, just do your work, do your work. If you don't have love or compassion to people, you will tend to give them low pay. They are overworked, you know, overworked, underpaid, and you don't listen to them. You stop caring, you don't uh, look after their benefits, you you don't understand where they are. So C 
sometimes um, I think over the years this is a learning experience for me as well that we always have to go back to our core values so if we have integrated into our core values that we cannot do a specific thing without compassion or without love because without love it's useless then we will be guided in the right path because we understand what's important we we will be able to listen more we'll be able to understand more we'll be able to consider the situation of the people in the right way and we'll be able to serve as a leader in the proper perspective and lastly you use the word courageous that you are not afraid to lead them and provide them a bigger or higher goal a lot of people wants a leader like that that we as a leader should develop a bravery or that we are courageous to bring them to achieve a higher goal because it means that you trust them you trust them that they can be entrusted with another higher plan or higher goal so my last question and i love to ask this question because it's interesting to know what will be your answer if you will be given a chance to travel back in time what advice will you give to your younger self about leadership that's an interesting question. Going back in time and thinking about what I would have changed, um, I would I would say that I would have I would have added a bit of aggressiveness in my leadership style. Not much, but a little, so that um, when it comes to uh, outcome, uh, we are achieving them on time, um, especially in our community as well. So. Yeah, that's the change I will make. The assertiveness would not hurt, Govin. I think um, there are occasions when it is needed, when we need a little push. And like, for example, we need to hit uh, a certain target or we need to finish a specific deadline. And I think that um, with your personality, I don't think that people would mind for you to have a little bit of assertiveness. Thank you for your time and hope that we could have this type of discussion again in the future. And we love to hear more from you about leadership and the insights. So thank you so much. And I would like to take this opportunity for you to register and watch out for our next event, which is on 7th of August, 2021. It's a leadership development. It's a seminar on leadership. The theme is unlocking the human potential to thrive in the future of work and so we would like you to register and be part of that event and we will be giving out certificates for those who will attend this webinar see you there